This is Weon, and you're listening to Gravitas Podcast, making sense of the news. We start with what happened in Lebanon today. It was four hours of fear in Beirut. Familiar fear, I should say. Hundreds of protesters marching on the streets, gunshots ringing in the air and bullets whizzing past civilians. Local authorities are reporting six dead and 30 injured. Let me show you how the day unfolded. It all started here outside the Palace of Justice in Beirut. A mob of Hezbollah supporters gathered here, hundreds of them, as you can see. What did they want? The removal of Judge Tariq Bitar. They call him the judge with a grudge. Why does the Hezbollah want him out? Because Judge Bitar is investigating the Beirut port blast and he's taking no prisoners. Top Lebanese officials are on his radar. They're being probed for negligence. So you can see why the Hezbollah is nervous. This Lebanese judge was on to them. So their supporters took to the streets protesting, demanding the removal of this judge. Soon things went from chaotic to tragic. From nearby rooftops, snipers started firing at the protesters. Imagine a sea of people on the streets and snipers picking them off from the buildings, like shooting fish in a barrel. The protesters began to scatter. Residents hid in corridors to escape stray bullets. Windows and doors were shattered. I have to warn you, these images are not easy to watch. from this, this violence was a school and these pictures are, are from inside the school. Frightened kids hiding below, be, below desks. Some of them were herded out into the corridor for cover. These children are clueless about what's happening, about the political battles, about Lebanon's difficult past. Yet they are victims of the same violence. As reports of gunfire emerged, the Lebanese army arrived and they arrived ready for battle. They brought tanks, armored vehicles, snipers, Kalashnikovs, and grenade launchers. They cordoned off the area and began their operation. It took four hours to restore calm. And remember, this is Beirut calm, still a very delicate situation. We don't know what happened to the shooters, who they were, why they attacked, and where they disappeared to. The Hezbollah are blaming the LF, or the Lebanese forces a Christian party with close ties to Saudi Arabia. But their leader has denied these charges. Our correspondent, Gary Francis, has been tracking the standoff in Beirut. She sent us this report earlier today. This is where it all started in Beirut. As you can see, the signs of clashes are still here. The security forces are still investigating. And the intelligence forces for the Lebanese army are still on the ground. They've initiated the process of finding the perpetuators and who started it all. Up so far, 10 have been identified as per local media. Putting everything into context, I'm standing here in the street that is in a very volatile area. It reminds of many phases in the civil war in Lebanon. Right here, this street is called Sami Sulah. It is basically the junction between the Tayuni Square, 
where the snipers started uh, gunfires and the uh, Justice Palace, which is in the end of the road. Protesters were coming as per the call of Hezbollah and allies. Protesters were going and headed towards the Palace of Justice when this all started. In this ally, as uh, the investigation is still ongoing, and up so far nobody has been arrested, but the Lebanese army says that they are on it. For Lebanon, these scenes are all too familiar. Tanks on the streets, rocket launchers, gun battles. This was everyday life in Beirut from 1975 to 1990. That was Lebanon's civil war. The fighting ended three decades back, but Lebanon still has not recovered. The society is divided. The politicians are disinterested or corrupt. Warlords and militia still call the shots. The result? What we saw in August last year. I'm sure you remember these pictures. The massive mushroom cloud rising over the Beirut port. More than 2,700 tons of ammonium nitrate was just lying around. No safety protocols. That blast killed 218 people. 7,000 others were injured and 300,000 were left homeless. 300,000. More than a year has passed, but there has been no justice. Sure, some port officials were arrested, but what about the real culprits, the corrupt leaders and the ministers who failed to do their job? They are still enjoying life. And this, unfortunately, is the story of Lebanon. The leaders prosper while the people suffer. Let me show you some numbers. The Lebanese pound has lost 90% of its value. 80% of the country lives in poverty and inflation is higher than anywhere else in the world. The international community has been giving aid, but it's not reaching the people. For 13 months after the Beirut explosion, Lebanon did not have a government. That's right. Two interim prime ministers were appointed. Both of them failed to form a government. 13 months. The third one has succeeded finally. That's billionaire Najib Mikati. But the Hezbollah is breathing down his neck. There is only one word to describe Lebanon, and that is dysfunctional. It's sad, but it's true. A broken system led to the Beirut blast, and that same broken system is delaying justice. It is intimidating investigators. It is creating chaos. Lebanon's war may be over, but its ghosts live on in Beirut. Let's go straight to Beirut. My colleague Gary Francis is joining us live from there. It was a difficult day for the people of Beirut and Lebanon, Gary. Uh, you've been tracking the situation on the ground. What's it like at the moment? Actually, I'm standing at the point, it's called Ain al-Rimani This is the point where the actual civil war started. And actually today, there were clashes on the same street. It's like the Christian area is to that side and the Muslim area is in, onto this side. Uh, right now, it's peaceful all around. The injuries have been reported to be 37 and six deaths up so far. No one has been identified, the army or the minister of uh, uh, interior. Nobody uh, said or not even one name of the perpetuators or the snipers. But uh, things are getting back to the normal on the streets inside Beirut. And the entire row we understand is over Justice Tariq Bitar. He's leading the investigation into last year's port explosion. The families of the victims, I understand, support his appointment. But does he have the freedom to do his job, especially after what happened today? He's known to be one of Lebanon's most independent judges. He's been a judge for 22 years. He's 47 years old. Tariq Bitar has faith and stood up uh, for the oligarchy and for powerful people in the country. 
But uh, as for doing his job, actually, those who wanted to protest him today are saying that he should have started the investigation elsewhere, investigating how the ammonium nitrate even got to Lebanon. Uh, and they are uh, really protesting the idea that he wants ministers and politicians uh, uh, to be uh, questioned. He sought to question these powerful names in the country, uh, very uh, big and powerful names. And this is their protest. But then again, the judge's point of view is that these are the papers in front of him, and this is where he should start. He hasn't made any press release, only uh, uh, bits and pieces here and there off the record that have been perpetuated in the media. And this has left it even harder for the people to, to really uh, take a stand. But most of, Le most of the Lebanese people want the, the freedom and want the justice for the people and the victims of the Beirut court blast. It's just that the polarization of the country has taken this to a totally different level. The port blast, as we've been reporting, uh, uh, killed more than 200 people. No one's been held accountable, as you've also pointed out. Is there a fear, Gary, that, that an inconclusive investigation or a delayed uh, investigation could spark more violence in the days ahead? Absolutely. This is basically the number one fear today for the Lebanese people. And it has been openly stated, and what we saw today is an open uh, exercise of what that could be. Uh, in the middle of the polarization of the country, and you have the, the supreme leader of one of the largest uh, political parties in the region, not only in, the, in Lebanon, and one of the most powerful, when you have Sayyid Hassan Nasrullah stating openly that we want this judge out or else, the word or else, and then you have that on the table of the cabinet last night. And now as we speak, the Lebanese president is uh, uh, live and, and saying something about that. This has taken a different stance. It is uh, violence is one of the options and actually resigning from the government and bombing that uh, very fragile political arrangement that has been done uh, most recently with the new government is also another uh, option. And uh, we can never know where would that escalate. But what we saw today is just a little bit of the example of what worse can happen. Kari Francis, thanks very much uh, for that update and for putting this in perspective for us. And stay safe. Thanks very much for holding forth for us there.